Sounds Welcome like a, everyone to Respawn Aim Fire's barf episode. This is where Dracula talks about growing up in Transylvania as a young Dracula. Uh, no, this is where we talk about backlog accomplishment with Respawn and Friends. It's a monthly podcast where uh, you choose the games over at patreon.com slash Respawn Aim Fire. And we play them and talk about them at the end of each month. I'm one of your hosts, Chad Michael Innes. We've got with us here Adam Pituitary Gland Gumbert. How are you, Adam? Hey, that's my favorite part of the body, Pituitary <laughs> Gland. Ooh, don't be a perv. Gross. <laughs> and joining us again this month, we've got Alex. Keep that out of there. Cozina. How are you, Alex? <laughs> I, I'm not really sure what you were going for with that. I, I'm currently sitting in a just not quite glass cage of emotion right now. <laughs> milk was a bad choice. Speaking of milk, this podcast brought to you by Mountain Dew Zero Sugar Baja Blast. Whoa. When you mount and do her, she deserves a Baja Blasting. Finger Baja Finger Blast. Some there's something in there. There's some there's a joke in there. You can you can work it out, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, smart water. We're all holding things on the uh, podcast. Adam, what are you what are you sponsored by today? I'm sponsored by the Glycine Corporation. Nice. Nice. Alex, yeah. what are you sponsored by today? I'm actually, I'm not sponsored by uh, iPhone. I'm sponsored by whatever weird liquid is swirling around within the iPhone screen because we're all, of course, endorsed by liquids today. Nice. Good liquid. Uh, speaking of good liquid, Alex, where can folks find you in case they would like to follow your content outside of this podcast? Yes, uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash Alex Kazina, A-L-E-X-K-O-Z-I-N-A. Uh, I'm not sure why I said it that way. Most people would just say at whatever your Twitter handle is. I guess I'm a little bit too much in a Twitch mood right now. Speaking of which, you can find me over on Twitch at twitch.tv slash CozyBearLive, K-O-Z-I-B-E-A-R-L-I-V-E. I advertised uh, my Twitch channel last time I was here. Uh Things went really wrong in my Pokemon Emerald Cross Nuzlocke <laughs> run, and I had to sort of start from scratch with a Sharpedo and a Celio. It's a real long story, so go check out that channel if you want to see the direness of the straits that I'm currently inside of. I love it. Speaking of direness, there's a lot of direness going on in some of these minds in the strange life that we call truth. Colors. <laughs> We've now said all the name, all the words in the title of Life is Strange True Colors. Uh, this is a game that we played this month. Again, you voted for it at patreon.com slash respawn aim fire. It's a game that came out last year, which is a little newer than we tend to do on these things, but I'm glad we did because I think it's something that both Adam and I wanted to play, and uh, Alex got a ton of time in with the whole series, so we'll get into that more in a second. Uh, game came out... For most modern platforms, uh, December 7th, 2021. Um, I lied. Came up for most modern platforms, 10th of September, 2021, and released for Switch on December 7th, 2021. It got pretty great reviews for a lot of things. It's hovering around low 80s for the Metacritic, uh, high 70s for the Nintendo Switch version. And it got a lot of recognition. It was nominated for several game awards. It won game for, games for Impact. It won three gaming awards for Game of the Year, Authentic Representation Award, Best LGBTQ Character for Alex Chen, uh, and a ton of other things. The game is the third major installment in Life is Strange series, coming after Life is Strange and Life is Strange 2. And then there's another one, Beyond the Storm, which is a prequel to the original. Before the Storm. 
before this run. That's what it is. Um, this is not developed by Don't Nod, which I just learned about 20 minutes ago. Don't Nod is the creators of the series, but the the Deck Nine is the developers who took over the series for Before the Storm and who made the remasters and who now released this one as well. Um, the game centers around Alex Chen, who is a character who we will talk about more in a second. Uh, I it's it's all focused around empathy. Sorry, that's the last thing I want to say about the development is that they knew that this game they wanted to focus around empathy before they even had a story or a person in mind. They're like, I want the superpower in this game to be around empathy. Boom, that's it. That's all I'm going to say up front. Um, let's get into a little bit about our involvement with the series. This is my very first time playing. That's a lie. I played Life is Strange 1 for like three minutes when I was really tired one night and I fell asleep right like in the opening credits. Never played it again. Uh, but other than that, this is my first Life is Strange game. Adam, what's your what's your Life is Strange history? I own one. I played about 20 minutes and put it down and said, I don't want to play this video game anymore. <laughs> and <laughs> I've also played uh, Tell Me Why, which is same studio, not same universe, but same kind of game. Um, and that's it. So I really... I've only played 20 minutes of the first one. I've always been interested, but then I'm like, remember when I played the first one, I didn't, couldn't get past the bathroom. So I just haven't continued. So this oh, man. is the first one that I've beaten. And I also I, wanted to beat. How are you going to oh. save the life of that one girl that gets shot in the bathroom? I She's dead that, forever. And it's like, you know, I helped her. And then it's like, walk outside. And then I walked outside. I was like, you know what? Actually, I don't want to walk outside anymore <laughs> and turn the game off. I right. was the game so I did save the inside. <laughs> you did a good act and you're like, all right, my work is done here. I'm no done. need my to powers, do anything else. They've been used to their full effect. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, you've played a lot of games uh, in this series recently. Tell me about your history with this series and what you've done this month. I have. And I, I realize that me coming on this podcast is going to be quite daunting now because I, I was ho hopeful that everyone here had at least played Life is Strange 1. But the two of you apparently have not played much of it at all, which means I'm going to probably have a lot of recapping to do. Uh, so yeah, I played the original Life is Strange, specifically the PlayStation 4 version. Actually, when I was living in Japan, I beat it around New Year's Eve 2016, and it was like one hell of an emotional experience. The original Life is Strange is a very messy game in a lot of ways. It has a lot of awkward dialogue. There's a lot of bizarre references like to Final Fantasy, the spirits within, uh, some problematic stereotypes here and there, and an overarching plot that definitely could have used a few passes here and there, particularly with regards to explaining the whole time traveling manipulation power that your main protagonist has at their disposal. But I really, really dug it. And then I meant to get around to playing Life is Strange 2 when it came out, but that game didn't really receive the same level of buzz that the original Life is Strange game was. And not really doing a lot of digging into it, I thought that that was a reflection on the quality of that game, so I ignored it for the time being. And then when Life is Strange True Colors came out last year, I was like, you know what? I feel like getting back into the series. And so I played it and beat it at the time. Uh, and in preparation for this episode, I kind of went through it, uh, kind of cleaned up the trophies for that game. Uh, and after I did so, uh, I was like, you know what? 
if I'm going to come on this podcast to talk about Life is Strange True Colors, might as well kind of go back into the backlogs uh, of the games that I have and clean up the other Life is Strange games. I'd remembered that on a previous occasion, you had listed Life is Strange 2 as a potential barf game candidate for an episode in the past. That yeah. sounds right. I, I, I guess it probably didn't end up winning that, but I knew that it was like clearly wanting to kind of play through that game had been on your minds uh, previously. Uh, so I went through, played Life is Strange 2, tremendously enjoyed it. We will kind of get into my thoughts on that game uh, a little bit more in a bit, but really was like deeply kind of emotionally affected uh, by it. Uh, and then also played Life is Strange Before the Storm, which was also made, by the way, by Deck Nine. This is how they got into Life is Strange True Colors, is that they did Before the Storm first as sort of like a dry run for true colors and that's kind of what it feels like uh life is strange before the storm is overall like a good game i'd say if anything it's probably underrated i think a lot of people when it came out discounted just how much content uh and quality storytelling there is here even though you can't change up the story too much because the feature is set uh in the original life is strange but uh i still enjoyed it all the same uh but it is very much them getting their legs wet for uh true colors so yeah, I've played it all. Nice. No, that's Big good. You've played really. it. Uh, because so I have not played one, but I have listened to six hour spoiler cast of all of these video games. <laughs> so I know themes and I know what happens. Well, not all okay. for one. Okay. Done, I know everything that happens in one, which is I will bring up in this because there's some comparisons. Yeah. Um, and I think I listened to something about two as well. But anyways, okay. so I do know a lot about one. So I do have that to compare, but I'm glad you're here to point me in the right direction in case I get stuff wrong. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you listened to that spoiler cast because that definitely makes my life a little bit easier. So it won't be just recounting the Wikipedia entries of all these games the entire time. <laughs> okay, good. Hey, I'll bounce off you because I got some some questions. Perfect. Here's then how I think I want to tackle this. Uh, first of all, spoilers abound. Lots of spoilers. Obviously, we played this game, so we're gonna we're gonna be talking spoilers. Um, since I don't have the previous knowledge, I didn't listen to a, a spoiler cast, and I mostly just have like a few not great things to say about this game. I think I want to just like get my shit out of the way first, and then I want to listen to you all talk about it and bounce <laughs> off of each other. Um, so we usually start with like high level things, and I the way that I'm I think about my time with this game is. Um, I, I started playing chapter one and at the end of chapter one, I decide, I thought, man, I really don't want to finish this game. I think I'm just going to watch a speed run of it or, you know, watch an overview, like a plot overview instead. And I said, no, this game is something that like, it's gotten recognition. It's good. People love it. Let's figure out why. And I played the rest of it. And at the end of the game, I thought, man, I really wish I hadn't played this game and I wish I had watched a speed run of it instead. And so that's kind of my, my general feeling about it. And my biggest problem with it was the, it was just pacing the pacing of so many aspects of the game for me. It was a slog. It was tough to keep interested in. Um, I feel like in, in chapter one, especially and Adam, you and I had talked briefly about this too. Like chapter one is so long. Chapter one and two are so long. Those first two chapters are very long. And yes. then like four and five go by in, in an instant. Um, but chapter one, especially, there are so many meaningless choices in it. Like, oh, I got to look at this cat toy. Oh, I got to look at this 
thing. Oh, um, uh, I had to spend 20 minutes unpacking a journal, a comic, and a picture out of my bag. Like, it takes 20 minutes to take all of that out of my bag and put it on my bed. And and I think part of it has to do just with a gameplay mechanic perspective. Interacting with things in the environment is such a commitment. Like, if I hit A on something or whatever button I'm hitting, if I hit it on that item, there's like a small cutscene of me getting to the object and then there's a long pause maybe if it's a picture there's like a ken burns pan over it slowly and then the dialogue from my narration loads and then it just hovers too long while i stare at it a little bit more and then coming out of that it's just like a little tiny cutscene, and it it makes me not want to interact with anything in the environment which is obviously counter to what they want you to they want you to explore and hear the history behind all of these things and help develop these relationships and i think that just that how much of a slog it was just interacting with things, I think, took a lot of it, took a lot out of me. And I just didn't want to interact with this game at all. Hmm. And I, I, I just want to yeah, go for it. Alex. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I, I just want to say, like, if that was, you know, one of your main gripes with this game, I don't know how much more mileage that you're going to get out of the rest of the games in the series, because that, that is a kind of core element of every other Life is Strange game. You have plenty of things in the environment you can interact with. You get a kind of quick little blurb slash cutscene in which the game kind of fully zooms in on said item and explains, you know, why it's of importance to the main characters of the story. Uh, And then you kind of go on with your way. And how bloated or not bloated the rest of the game is, is dependent on how often you do so. I, I will say, like, you know, obviously you're dealing with very different characters in Life is Strange 1 and Life is Strange 2, so maybe, like, you'll be a lot more kind of compelled to interact with items in those games uh, because you just find the characters in their world a lot more fascinating. But, yeah, it, seem, it seems to me like this was just not a very kind of Chad Innes type of experience type of franchise. Yeah, which was weird to me because I was going into it like I love Telltale games. Uh, like one of my favorite games is Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, which is literally just slowly walking around a city and discovering things. But uh, yes, it's just the pacing of all of it. Um, there was all that, something else to me that I couldn't put my finger on what it was. And maybe one of you all realized it. Something sound wise, something in the sound design of this game in the mix or something like that. It felt like there was something missing the whole time. And, like, I don't know whether it was sound effects or room tone or something. Like, it felt like... Do you remember the Kingdom Hearts 3 trailers that they released during E3? And, like, all the sound effects were gone Mm. and it was weird? That's what the whole game kind of felt like to me. And, like, there was was too much weird silence. And I don't know what... Something was missing sound-wise for me. I don't think it was a bug because it was over several play sessions. and But... I don't know. It, it it all just felt like sound was such an afterthought for this game that I, that took me out of it too. But my last thing is a very specific thing about how the game ended and that, that I was infuriated with, but we'll get there eventually, I'm sure. I would love to hear, Adam, you've been a little bit mysterious about your feelings on the game, so I would love to hear your thoughts on Life is Strange True Colors. Well, top level, I enjoyed it. Like I said, I did not like Life is Strange 1. I went back and listened to Sporocast because I was interested in the story, but I did not enjoy playing. I, I couldn't get out. I mean, I got out of the bathroom, but that's about as far as I get, right? <laughs> and this one, I was like, oh, I'm glad we're doing this for Rough because I actually enjoy playing this game. Like, I don't think it's like a perfect 10 out of 10 or anything like that, but I think Alex Chen does a lot of, uh, or the act, what, I forgot the actor. I mean, she won a bunch of awards, um, but Alex Chen is, I love Alex Chen. I love that character. She's great. Erica um, Mori is so, her name. You know, 
Rikimori, yeah. And then the power set, I was very uh, surprised on how much I actually liked that. Um, again, all your things that you're talking about were a lot of slow animation. All that stuff is true, but I did enjoy the journey with the character. And uh, I was enjoying the idea of the story, but then it pulled a Life is Strange 1 and disappointed me in the end with the story. Uh, I, we'll talk about that, but there's thoughts I think that they should have done or whatever. But I think Alshan is great, and I thought the powers were very interesting, and I enjoyed the townsfolk. So I was able to like, yeah, I'll keep doing it, especially knowing it was only 11 to 13 hours. Yeah. I was like, sure, no problem. This will be fine. Um, again, playing chapter one and two, I'm like, are you sure it's only 11 hours? Because these are <laughs> <laughs> these are taking a long time. But no, I said that, yeah, I, I enjoy it. So I think it's very good. I think if you like that kind of game, I think it's solid. I got, again, I think Alex is a great character. Um, but I mean, all your critiques are correct. It is a very slow, like, slow time, big, slow time video game, you know? I can think of another Alex that's pretty great. Hey, Alex, Kozina, what about your thoughts on Alex, <laughs> on Alex is Strange, on Life is Strange True Colors? <laughs> Alex is strange. I mean, I sure am. Uh, so I wanted to start off very quickly by addressing uh, a question that you posed to us, Chad. I think that this game feels quiet because uh, the setting of this game, Haven Springs, is quiet. Uh, when I think back to the original Life is Strange, Life is Strange 2, I think both those games were really good at being set uh, within set pieces or locations that lent to a lot of kind of ambient sound. Uh, and I think that intentionally Deck Nine leaned into the fact that Haven Springs is a very kind of quiet, kind of very kind of secluded, sheltered little village in the middle of Colorado. Whether that was a good or a bad decision, I mean... I, I suppose is up to the eye of the beholder, but clearly it didn't really kind of work for you. And I'd say that it didn't really work for me. The game has like great musical moments where Alex uh, chants drums on her gu guitar, but outside of that, like, yeah, I wouldn't call the soundscape of this game amazing. What did I think of this game? Uh, you guys remember a little game by the name of Pokemon Sword and or Pokemon Shield? Yes. Mm -hmm. This game, in an odd way, <clears throat> reminded me a lot of Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield. How so, you might ask? Well, it's very typical in the Pokemon series that as you're progressing through any of the mainline games, you're contending with both an A plot and a B plot. A plot is you gotta beat all eight gym leaders, defeat the Elite Four, become the Pokemon champion. Uh, B plot is you're dealing with some sort of mischievous evil team that it deems the world fit for demolition, be it Team Rocket, Team Aqua, Team Magma. Uh, initially, the B-plot of there being an evil team started out as a bit kind of like an afterthought. It's not like Team Rocket is like intrinsically, utterly important to the plot of the original Red and Blue games. But as time went on, you got your Team Aquas, your Team Magmas, Team Galactics, teams that are like orchestrating these sort of world-changing, world-ending events. And then after kind of their peak with, I would argue, Team Plasma from Black and White, it kind of felt like with each subsequent Pokemon game, they tried to introduce yet another evil team that just kind of failed to ignite the same spark that prior evil teams had. And then Pokemon Sword and Shield release, and you play through that game, and for the longest period of time, it seems like, oh man this game isn't leaning into any kind of like evil team, the world's 
uh, at peril plot at all. It seems like it's almost entirely leaning into just the kind of defeat the gym leaders, become the champion plot. And I'm really enjoying it for that because the kind of cult of who the gym leaders are in Pokemon Sword and Shield is awesome. I love the way that in that game, the gym leaders are these larger than life celebrities that are adored by their fans and uh, have their battles take place in gigantic, enormous coliseums where you can see fans cheering on you or your competitor uh, every which way at all times. And then at the very last second, at the very last minute, the game's like, oh, by the way, we got to have an evil plot. Uh, evil Elon Musk is going to babble something about the darkest day, and it's going to be <laughs> real crappy, real rush, and it's going to kind of end the game on a bit of a sour note. That was a very long rambling rant to say, I feel like this game has a very similar problem, where I think that at its core, Life is Strange True Colors is an enjoyable dating sim with a entirely needless and unnecessary mystery plot uh, that I feel was only inserted into it to kind of uh, stew up kind of memories of nostalgia that people had for the original Life is Strange, which is very similar of there is a kind of A plot or B plot of you being um, Max, who might be interested in having a relationship with uh, Chloe or this other guy. And then Independently of that, there's this murder mystery that you're trying to solve within Arcadia Bay. Uh, and I just feel like this game would have been better off, honestly, without the mystery. I feel like if they had just made it so that each episode of the game is about encountering and overcoming problems instead of trying to work towards solving this large central mystery, it would have been a better game all around. I agree, Alex, that I that the whole Typhon plot of the mining company was just, it felt, that was the least interesting stuff in the game. And any choice around it seemed like such like a, a pointless, well, not pointless, but like such an easy choice. It's like when the cop says, hey, do you want to just like give in and let them buy you out? Or do you want to actually fight them and get justice? It was like, of course, we're going to say fight them and get justice and, and stand up. To I it. didn't like, do that. You didn't do that? Oh, my nope. God. Oh, my God, Adam. But, I also told her to take the money. I told her to take the money too, but that was before yeah. I knew for hmm. sure that like they had killed what's his face. I, I asked her not to take the money. Actually, I guess I'm the outlier in that way. I'm just like, hey, your son needs the money, and you can't sue them, but I can. You don't need to sue them. I can sue them for the death of my brother. You don't need to sue them for the death of your boyfriend, and your child is now taken care of. I, I guess yeah. what we all agree on here is like. The game still presented interesting choices in moments like that, but it was always obvious, like, clearly this corporation is evil and does not have our good wishes in mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And those are always like, the like, very obvious where this is going. Yeah. Yeah. Espe I mean, we'll talk about it, but like the end, the way that they send up the end and give you the choice, I'm like, clearly you want me to choose the one thing because you just gave me a five minute video about that choice. Yeah. And I actually watched both endings and neither one of them matter. But so here's my thing about the Typhon. Uh, Typhon or whatever. And this is also going back to Life is Strange 1, right? Spoilers for all that. And you can correct me, Alex. Is that you are a character... And Actually, I'm curious on what they do this in Life is Strange 2. But you are a character who has superpowers in a world that people don't regularly have superpowers. That seems like an interesting plot point, right? you think that would be cool in both of those games. Um, and in Life is Strange 1 and in 2, it presents... Like, you, like you're talking about the B-plot as if it's going to be... Uh, something interesting. Like, I'm hoping for, like, an evil corporation or, like, a Twin Peaks where, like, oh, there's actual, like, supernatural... Sh something weird is going on. And then in episode four and five of both these series, they're like, actually, nothing is happening at all. 
it actually doesn't matter. It's very mundane. Which I'm like, hey, I would prefer if you just went full-ass Twin Peaks and just gave me something weird. Like, why is this a world where I have superpowers and random people have superpowers, but everything is mundane as hell? Like, whenever uh, you're going through her files and it's like Project Rhea, and it's like, oh my god, what is this crazy mystery? And it's just like, we were covering up an accident. It's like Project Rhea could have been something cool or supernatural, because again, we live in a world where people have powers. It's not a crazy idea that something supernatural could be happening. And the games never do anything with that. It's just like, oh, I'm a person who happens to have powers, but everything else is completely normal. And I just find, it's like, either, like you said, either don't do a B-plot, or go hard as hell and have that be some weird, crazy stuff at the end. Yeah. And I would I would have loved if they would have done some... But again, Life is Strange 1 also does the same thing, where it's like, you know, oh, this is crazy, and this evil... These things are because of your powers, but then it's just like, you choose Chloe or the town, and then it's like, oh, the storm doesn't happen. Yeah, it, oddly enough, in a weird way, it's kind of like the, the subsequent Uncharted games, where Uncharted 1 and 2 end with yeah. supernatural threats making themselves known, and so you expect... Uncharted 3, let's go. There are going to be actual demons and ghosts that we're going to have to fight. And it's like, no, it's actually Nothing. weird hallucinogenic gas or whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, just to kind of provide a little bit of context, Life is Strange 2 is very different from any of the other Life is Strange games. Uh, you play mm -hmm. as a character who himself uh, does not have superpowers. You play as the brother of a sibling that does have superpowers he has the ability to telekinetically move things with his mind what happens in that game is uh your father uh who's mexican-american gets murdered by the police and basically the two of you kind of go on the run uh kind of fearing persecution if you get caught because the police officer in the middle of that altercation ended up getting killed by your brother's psychic powers uh and basically much of the game is you kind of trying to find a family find a home as you kind of gradually attempt to make your way to mexico where you believe that you'll eventually kind of be safe um and so in, in i mean to kind of uh loop back around to the conversation we're having i guess that game when you kind of break it down doesn't really uh, satisfy uh in that regard either of there being like this crazy kind of supernatural entity or force that you're kind of fighting against because the villain in that game ultimately ends up being america itself for lack of a better wor uh, word but i i will say that the way in which uh life is strange 2 kind of builds the relationship between the brothers to an emotional climax is i'd say way more satisfying uh and, and that there are some truly kind of like fantastic moments of the younger brother using his power in the final couple of episodes um but I, I want to be also very careful not to spoil Life is Strange 2 as well, because, again, I really loved it, and I wouldn't want you guys to feel spoiled to some of its better moments. I will say, I wish that, again, I don't know, you, can, you don't have to say anything. That would be cool if in that game the government knows your brother has powers and is after him. That would be interesting. Just it's, saying, I don't know anything. So it, it's, it, it's interesting, and I'll leave it at that. It's interesting. Adam, I don't yeah. think this is a series that you're ever going to find that in i'm reading a quote from the senior writer for the series right now and it says it's a series based on characters with type of superhuman ability that the developers can provide meditations on real experiences that regular people go through so like they're not interested in exploring like the superhuman or so the... then don't give me anything about corporations yeah <laughs> right if you're not gonna if you're not gonna explore the superhero stuff don't give me a mystery of an evil thing like typhon is literally just a corporation it's like oh we had an accident they didn't even need to cover it up i'd be like 
hey, Jeb did it, fire that dude, it's his responsibility, and they could have been done with it, but they're like, oh, they're sneaky and all this, but it was just like, why would a mega corporation do that? Why would they cover this guy up? I would just fire him and put it all on him and move on with your life? Whatever. Anyways. Also, talking about Jeb, I love love that actor. He's great. Love his big mustache. Yes. Uh, I think he's really mustache. cool. But his mustache. Also like in Life is Strange 1. So they, they, they introduce some characters. Mac being the dude that gets in a fight with your brother at the very beginning. Mm. And he's the first time you like your powers overtake you and you, you have so much anger you beat the shit up. It's great. Um, but they present Mac as like a bad guy. I'm like, I know he's not a bad Knowing from Life is Strange 1, Mac is not the bad guy. They're trying to give you uh, a red herring. And then they try to, the lady who works for Typhon, so she's covering it up. I'm like, I already knew. I'm like, nope, nope. It's going to be someone who's uh, nice and a good friend. I'm like, it's either a cop or it's either Jeb. And fucking lo and behold, when you're talking to Jeb, all of a sudden the lighting's all red. He's like, let me take you out to the mine. It's like, fucking, he's going to yep. fucking. This is literally exactly what they do in Life is Strange season one. Or Life's Strange 1. It's like, oh, you don't, you're not expecting this person. And then in the end of episode 4, it's bad guy. The other people aren't bad. I'm like, I just saw it coming because I already knew what they did in Life's Strange 1, which was kind of disappointing. Can we talk about episode or chapter 5 of this thing? It's the, you know, she's been shoved down the well. We learn about her backstory as an adopted uh, or as, a, as an orphan and, and all that kind of stuff. But what I really want to vent about for a second is this town... Mm-hmm hall that she's walked in on first of all why the fuck do you how do you know town hall is going on and why is that the first place you go and not the hospital in your condition second of all there are the posters way- all over town Chad. you had to read the poster <laughs> she knew it was happening well she crawls out of this fucking mine and she goes what time is it oh just in time for that thing i know that's happening right now let's go <laughs> <laughs> no what i what infuriated me is that she has all of this information she knows, she has phone calls, she has records, she has all of this information, and she's gone to the police at this point, and the police are saying, hey, we can't really do anything about it right now. Why not fucking, like, the evidence is is not usable in court. So why yeah. not fucking leak it? Why not send it to the press? Why not put it on the social media that's going everywhere that turns out to be useless in the game? Like, that's that's the next thing I would do. If the police aren't going to help me do it, let's tell the world, hey, by the way, Typhon killed him. Here's the proof. Click on this website. Click on this link. And then, so she, ne- so she never does that, which I'm like, fine. But then we get to this final scene in this town council thing. And... She she says some of the right things. She she doesn't outright like say, hey, here's the evidence, and this is A, B, and C, why I know he's guilty. Mm-hmm. But she just but like, like after Jeb is gaslighting the shit out of you, he's like, exactly. I don't know what the problem is. I'm exactly. like, you son of a bitch. You literally and, shot me in the head. Like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> Even that. Like the people are sitting in the room, like, I don't know, Alex, you're new here, and I don't really trust you, and I don't know you. And all they wanted her to say was, He shot me mm. in the head. <laughs> like, even that yeah. I feel like would that change scene, people's minds. Yeah, because that scene, it, I had some people, I know there, I think there's an achievement or something if everyone stands up for you. I had a couple of people stand up for me, but it definitely seems like, that scene seems like, regardless of every decision you've ever made before, this scene is going to play out exactly the same. Because they were yeah. acting weird compared to, like, look at me, I have a gunshot in my head, I'm fucked up. And mm-hmm. everyone's like, well, we need to see if you made that choice in episode three, if I actually believe you. It's like, it, that, that scene felt weird. But when you actually yeah. start talking to Jeb, I love that. When you actually start, like going through his emotions love that scene but before i'm with you as a lawyer yeah it was infuriating me it was like just fucking say the words that are in you know the right things to say to convince these people but it won't let me say them out loud infuriating alex you were gonna say something 
Yeah, it, it's it, like, let's call it how it is. It's a bit of a contrived scene. Uh, we want to see in the scene all of the kind of uh, choices that you've made over the course of the prior few episodes sort of play out. <laughs> um, but the kind of like scenario that they devise to kind of get these choices to play out just feels it feels a little bit kind of hackneyed. Um I appreciated, you know, getting to see the townspeople come to my side, even if I do kind of agree with you, Chad, that like, yeah, like, it's weird that they're not like freaking out a little bit more and kind of taking what I'm saying a little bit more seriously. Um, But I will say, while I do appreciate the conversation that uh, Alex has directly with kind of uh, Jed's soul, Jed's emotions, Jed's whatever. The entire time, I'm like, this feels a little bit like a Deus Ex Machina. I know that we've had prior moments in the game in which Alex is sort of like connected on a kind of very deep level with whatever it is that the other characters of the game are feeling, but this feels like a step beyond that. This feels like she's almost literally like telepathically communicating with Jed, which is not really something that we've seen her use up until now. And I, I really do emphasize the fact that I think that this is a deus ex machina because no matter kind of what happens with uh, how the townspeople side with you because of this conversation, basically things turn out for the better for Chen. If she didn't romance uh, Steph or Gabriel, she won't end up with them, but she kind of still finds resolution and peace in the end, which is not at all how things go at the end of Life is Strange 1 or Life is Strange 2, where you're forced to make very consequential, very difficult decisions that like can result in dramatically different and dramatically heartbreaking endings in different ways. Um, and that was kind of disappointing. Can we uh, can we take a poll? Who, who romanced... Steph and who romanced Gabe? I I went Steph. Steph. Yeah, I went Steph. Steph. Easy. Yeah, no one's I'm sorry, Gabe. Gabe. In that game, nobody. Um, second question: Did you stay with Steph and Haven, or did you go off an adventure and become a rock star? We'll have to talk about this after you guys give me your answers, because I'm upset with this ending. <laughs> I went off and became a rock star. Same. I found zero reason why she would want to stay in Haven. So I was like, no, get out there, do your thing. And Steph obviously is okay with getting out of there too because she had a, a ticket to do so earlier that she ripped up in front of you. But sorry. All right, Adam, what, what you got? Yeah, so um, I also chose to go on the road with Steph. But there's a couple of things about this scene, right? This scene, that very ending part, seems incredibly sad um, just because, all right, so you're talking to your, apparently you talked to Ghost now, you're talking to Gabe. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm sure it's just like, you know, a mental thing. Uh, you're like playing that out. Um, but, and he go and he, he, you know, he waxes poetic and you get this whole thing of like how much you changed the town, how much you did this. You know, and, and again, you get a long, like very in-depth scene of like, oh, if you stay in town, you've changed uh, this town for the better. You're friends with everybody. Everyone's happy. You get to be happy with the person you want to be with. You've actually found a home. You finally found a home. Awesome. And then it's like, now make the choice. It's like, well, obviously you want me to stay in the town. Because why else would you give me this five-minute scene about how staying in town is better for me? Um, again, I chose to go on the road. And then I also watched when you stay in town. And when you stay in town, she's on the dock, and then the person you're with comes up to you, and then you walk into town, and that's the end. It's like a one-minute scene. And if you go on the road, you become a rock star. But then Steph is also not with you, which I thought the whole point of you going on the road was to be with Steph. Yeah. And then she's not even present whenever you're doing that. Like, I thought we were in a band together. She's not even there. 
So it's like, they want to push you towards one way, which again, I think is incredibly depressing for me to like, well, your real option is to stay in this town of 20 people. Otherwise, you know, what is life really? I'm like, stay in this town of 20 people who also just sat in front of you in a panel and said, I don't believe you're screaming to telling me about this traumatic thing that just happened. And now I'm not going to believe you. And also please stay in the room where your brother used to live above the bar. You're staying in the apartment even though that dude's in jail. Yeah. Like, no, I don't want to stay there with all that trauma that just happened. Yeah, I'm like she's 21, and again, it's cool to have to find a place and find a home and all that. But they really try to be like, hey, if you don't stay in this town, like, what are you really doing? It's like she's 21. Like, there's nothing wrong with like, I don't know, go on the road for you know three weekends in the summer, and then like you can do both. But it's like, no, either you on the road or you're here, and there's no in between. And I'm just like that didn't feel very satisfying to me at the end. It's just me. I think I've said everything that I would like to say about Life is Strange True Colors. Is there anything we haven't talked about that either of you are like, man, I really want to discuss blank? I still have notes. Also, well, I'll let let Alex go because I've been talking. What do you guys think about episode three? Because prior to playing this game, I remember hearing one Greg Miller over at Kind of Funny talk about this game. And I remember him being like, I was blown away by episode three. This game, uh, this episode of this series is going to be talked about at length over the coming months. And I have some thoughts on it. The whole conceit is that you're in the middle of a kind of giant LARP game in which you're trying to cheer up the younger kid of the drugstore. Uh, I forget his name, uh, but that's the basic scenario. His name's Ethan. Ethan. That's correct. Charlotte's son. And I'm like, Okay, I see what's going on here. We're all dressed up to look like characters out of D&D. And knowing the way that Alex Chen's power works, I bet that at some point her power is going to activate and the entire town is going to turn into an actual, uh, literal uh, world filled with Dungeons and Dragons. And I was disappointed to find that one, before that even happens, the town is like weirdly devoid of other people there are basically only like five people walking around and of those five people only three of them are actually dressed up to look like people from ye middle ages everyone else is just like wearing their weird tie-dye shirts and jean shorts and whatnot um and it really kind of this sounds like such a small inconsequential little criticism but it really bothered me because at some point during that whole sequence on your app which has like a little like social message board for the city of haven springs there's some guy that's like oh man the town sure is filled with a lot of people dressed up today and it's like but it isn't (laughs) it it really isn't and i'm not like i understand if deck nine just didn't have the you know capacity or technical means or time to kind of fill out the town with a bunch of people acting like dnd characters it's fine i'm not upset about that but why have a post on social media call that out if that's not what the player can see in front of their own eyes Uh, i did like at the end that eventually you did transform the entire world around you to look uh, all fantasy like but it also took a real long time to get to that moment and so so overall coming out of episode three i was just very like uh this was cool on paper but not as cool in execution as it should have been i do like in episode three so you start out when you when you start going on the adventure it becomes turn-based combat uh, which I thought was pretty cool, having characters on both sides of the screen. And then I basically just did uh, puzzle solving to skip every fight after that, which I thought was, oh, good, I don't <laughs> have to keep fighting. That's fun. Um, you know, like give the troll four coins, and it'll be your friend, and name uh, the names of the things or whatever. 
Um, yeah, you don't have to, you literally only have to fight the wolf and then the guy at the end. So I was like, cool, I'm exploring the town, doing my thing, whatever. Um, and then yeah, at the end when it completely changes and now it's like production value turn based combat, I thought it was pretty cool. But yeah, there's like seven people on the street total. I the uh, same same pacing issues I had with everything else where the turn based battles took way too long and I didn't know that you could skip them and then like and, and it was the same animation same script for everything it was every time I used the flaming sword it's like oh flaming sword two damage now you're on fire and the guy's like ah I'm on fire still ah I'm hurt by the sound from last time and every turn it's the same exact canned stuff and again it takes way too long to do any of the moves way too long to do it. it huge pacing issues in addition to the fact that i feel like i didn't know where to go a lot of the time in that chapter and i didn't know like which businesses are participating in this and which ones aren't and i'd walk into the wrong ones and it's like oh damn well i just wasted 20 seconds waiting on the loading screen for this room when i could have not even come in here at all uh so yeah i big old stinker but i did think like seeing it through his eyes at the very end was a cool touch like here's how he's actually experiencing this and seeing all the magic and the armor and all that shit like that that was cool, but it took way too long to get there, and I did not enjoy most of it. All right, Alex, anything else? Because I got a list of notes to go through. You go, because I went on a big rant about this episode first, and I feel like I've hogged up a lot of the, the spotlight on oh, this yeah. episode. So. Uh, so I'll just go through some of these notes whenever you want to jump in and do a thing. We'll let you jump in. So first, I think I talked about this on Twitter or to chat specifically. But um, the scene with old lady who runs the flower shop. Yeah. When she's dealing with Alzheimer's. Um, again, top five fears. Probably number four is becoming old and losing my memory. So that was uh, an interesting scene for me. I thought it was very well done. I am upset that... So I helped her and I'm like, oh, cool. I'm helping this lady out. Adam's biggest fear is becoming this person. I was able to work through that. And then I was like, I think I let Riley know or whatever. So Riley was like, I'm going to go to college or whatever. And I hate the fact that me telling her that like, oh, she's a little sick, but you know, we're going to help her out. That decision leads to her being like, I just will never go to college. And I'm like, why the fuck? Like, she's literally, yeah. I think she's like a computer tech. Like she's like super smart. And she's like, well, I'm just going to stay in this town of 20 people with my 19-year-old boyfriend because this is the best decision. I'm like, fucking no, it's not. Like, fucking, like, stay for the summer, help her out, and fucking leave. But you can't make that decision. Like, she just... Yeah, either there's you, no you, nuance. You hide. Yeah, either yeah. you hide it and she goes to college or you tell her and it's like, well, then I will never leave. And I, I fucking hated that. But again, getting Alzheimer's or Alzheimer's and uh, forgetting everything uh terrifying for me Diane, there uh, is like trick for for all the issues yeah. we have with this game like there are a lot of great character moments throughout this game a lot of great bits of writing involving characters like the flower shop owner and i don't want to i don't want to sound like i'm or like any of us are you know poo-pooing that because clearly i think we all got a little bit of something out of all these characters yeah, and al yeah, almost every actually... single interaction with Steph, I think, was was fantastic. And that's what really, mm -hmm. even though that's I was awesome. more and more, I was like, why am I still playing this game when I should have watched it? I, anytime that I was interacting with Steph, I was like, okay, this is why. This is why I'm playing it. Yeah, I especially, um, the one, so basically anytime you do like a motion puzzle, I guess I'll call it, with each of the characters in the town, I love doing all that stuff, like with... Uh, is it duck or ducky or whatever, like helping him like dance and remember his wife and all that. The one for me, which I wonder what you guys did. So with Charlotte, when she has a lot of anger and it turns out she's like, she hates her son 
she hates that she hates her son because you know she's like she's putting the blame on him for Gabe's death, which is a completely natural thing to like misplace your anger because you're going through trauma. I chose not to take her anger away. What did you guys do? I uh, so when I'm playing games like this, and I had this thought several times while playing this game. Mm -hmm. There's what I would do, and then there's what I'm going to do because I'm playing this game. Okay. And I'm like, I'm playing a game with a person with superpowers. I'm going to take the choice that uses those superpowers just to see, like, that's what I'm here to explore. How do these superpowers make things more interesting? So I did. I took her anger from her. I took the cop's fear from him later mm. on, too, just to see, you know, like, what does this do? Does and I think, matter? like, 10 minutes later, I lashed out at somebody I wasn't supposed to lash out at. And that was it. Mm. I uh, did not take away anyone's emotions. And it seems like in the case of uh, the cop, I actually could have done that and that could have led to some uh, benefits. But I, I'm glad that I didn't uh, take away uh, her anger because that it seems like the kind of results of me doing so would have been kind of more depressing than anything. Uh, with me, it was very much a matter of like, I, I like being presented with these challenges where I'm able to kind of use my power uh, in ways that potentially can be kind of quite kind of malicious and bad. And I feel like uh, as much as um, it pains me to kind of do so, I feel like I kind of got to je just sort of let things sit as they are and not kind of abuse my power for what I perceive to be uh, evil, if that makes sense. Yeah, my whole thing was like, you have literally zero right to take this woman's anger away. Like, you naturally need to work through that. Like, that's a part of being a human being. Because I don't know, I'm glad that Chad, you did just to see what happened. Because I believe in the next episode, like at the spring rose time dance or whatever it is, where she's just like sitting there and like has no emotion at all. And I'm like, oh, that does, that feels gross that we just took this lady's emotion and she just feels nothing now, which I'm like, that's awful. Um, so I, <laughs> this isn't, I think this was a really good choice. So her powers, uh, the emotion powers, when they're really strong, she feels them if she gets close to people without her. She doesn't have a choice to do it. And I like that playing into her seeming to have like social anxiety. Like she looks at the ground a lot. She'll back away from people all the time. It's like, oh, this is someone who has some kind of social anxiety. But it's like, oh, it's her superpowers. Because if she gets too close, she can't control what happens next. So I think that was a cool way to play with a real world thing. A real world thing. Did um, I did I miss something? Yeah. And part of part of my disbelief with this game is like right off the bat they show you. If anyone's even in the room that's too angry, she's going to fucking go batshit and can't control herself and beat the shit out of somebody. And then the next scene is like, all right, there's a kid who's scared to death. Now she's fucking shitting her pants on this log. And then mm -hmm. I never see that again. And immediately she's like, all right, now I'm 100% in control of my powers and I can choose to go up to somebody and I'll, I'll choose to take that. And once I have it, I'll do whatever I need. To. Like, I feel like she went from newly exploring this to being a master of it overnight. And I, I felt like pro. I missed yeah. something in there. I think it's just been like, it was a week. So they're like, she's good now. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's uh, Deck Nine, like intentionally trying to make a game that just overall does not have that like super kind of harrowing tone. Life is Strange too, by comparison, it feels like every single episode, your characters are getting into some sort of mishap because they uh, abuse their telekinetic powers and they're kind of real harsh consequences for doing so. And I think with this and they were just like, we just don't want to, like not because we feel like our players can't handle it, but we just don't want to make a game that is like harrowing in that way. Yeah, it's all positive, no negative, really. Uh, I only have two two left. One of them silly, one's true. So think about this. So I think it's episode two when this happens. Um, 
but we you get the scene with Ryan and she's like, oh, I, this is joy. I've never experienced this one before. Um, and you get the joy, like the gold, yellow, whatever that power is. Can you think how fucked up that life is where she's been alive for 21 years, had the power for about 10 years or so, and she's only ever had sadness, anger, and fear, and she's never felt joy from anybody else? What an mm -hmm. awful yeah. existence. Holy shit. That is so sad that like nobody had joy around her ever. And it's just like, it's I mean, only the negative ones. Growing up in the foster care system. There's got to be one nice person who's happy, you know? God, it's, it's no so No one who's like, like overcome it, with joy. God, it's depressing. That is depressing, oh, yeah. God, it's, it's grim. And then my last one, which is just a silly one, is that in chapter four, which is the Rose Time Festival, whatever they call that, everybody's horny. <laughs> Every single person you go up to and you read their emotions, and a lot of it's cute. It's like, oh, I like him, but he won't say anything. Oh, I like her so much, but I'm too scared, da, 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 whatever. And you're like, hey, you guys are cute together. But literally every person you interact with in that episode is horny. Every one of them. <laughs> Just pointing that out. And that's all my that's all my. Who'd you, who'd you give your rose to, or did you at all? I gave it to Steph. Yeah, me too. Yeah, come, yeah. On. come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Let's be real. <laughs> Uh, so a couple more notes that I had before we wrap the podcast up one to kind of go back to speaking positively about the, uh, game for a sec, the facial animations, on all the characters in this game, real good. That is one thing I will say, like life is strange one life is strange two before the storm, all great games, all in some way, a little bit better than this game in various ways, but man, the like just animations as a whole in those games really don't quite do it. There are no shortage of moments playing through Life is Strange 2 where I was like, man, the dialogue here is great. These are such great moral choices, but I really wish that these characters just emoted so much better than they do. And this game, like, I definitely understand why this game kind of was sort of the, the, the talk of the walk when it came out, because just on a kind of pure visual level, every time that Alex Chen smiles, it, it, it makes my heart go a flutter for a lack yeah. of a better way uh, of putting it. Uh, this that stuff a, really does a lot of heavy lifting in this game. This was the first game in the series that actually used performance capture is what I read, yep. which is why that and it, looks it dramatically shows. different. Yeah. It shows. Uh, going down a little bit more of a negative route, uh, earlier, you know, we talked at length about the final episode and how we had various misgivings about the ending. Uh, I want to touch base on Alex Chen's dad. Well, one of the last minute reveals that happens in the game is that in fact, your father was one of the miners that basically got trapped down in the mind, uh, mine that Jed abandoned, uh, all those years ago. And I remember when I got to that moment, I'm like, oh, this is a real cool plot twist that just needed to get set up way earlier. Like if they had made a point earlier on of being like, hey, the reason why Gabriel came to Haven Springs is because he heard a rumor that your dad was here, but it doesn't seem like he ever really kind of got to the bottom of that case. It's possible your father moved on. And then in episode five, they're like, oh, remember that thing we brought up earlier? We're actually... A following through on that that would have been so good and it's too bad that the game doesn't do that yeah we don't see anything about her dad until in episode five when you are again the episode starts out with like oh you're in the room where she's interviewed and like it's trippy and you're going through your emotions I'm like oh here we go twilight nope never mind we're not doing twilight <laughs> some stuff um but yeah like the whole thing with the setup like why the dad left and you know him feeling guilty and all of that 
And then it's like, you find his body, you know, 10 minutes later. It's like, yeah, if they would have set that up. So actually, I I, want to just uh, state this for the record so that nobody comes after us on Twitter. There is an optional collectible within the first episode that makes mention. Yes. Um, But it's like, it's so out of the way. I missed it the first time that I played the game around. I only got it on my subsequent playthrough. And like, they really needed to like much more directly set that up within the main plot, not within a optional collectible that you can easily miss IMO. Yeah, it's just like, hey, here's a picture of dad that we fell apart and that's it. And then you shouldn't mention dad again until episode five, which I'm with you. If they would have sprinkled that in, that would have been a much cooler reveal. Um, Mm. Yeah, good point. D- yep. Did either of you, by the way, play uh, Wavelengths, the like DLC, for lack of better? No, no. As much so as I like Steph, not. I also wanted nothing more to do with this game after I beat it. <laughs> <laughs> so I really wanted to play Wavelengths because I was really determined to play every single game in the series. Uh, here's what happened. I will try to best recount to you the order of events of how everything went wrong. Um, I booted up Life is Strange, True Colors. Uh, I saw that I had to purchase Wavelengths from the PlayStation Store. Uh, I purchased it. I downloaded it. Uh, I went into the game. Uh, I selected uh, to play Wavelengths, or I believe it's called Steph's Story within the main menu there. Uh, A little thing pops up that says, hey, at the end of the original Life is Strange, did you choose to uh, save or not save Arcadia Bay? on accident, I chose not save Arcadia Bay. I panicked. I quit out of the game. I'm like, nope, that's not the choice I made. I chose to save Arcadia Bay at the end of the original game. Um, I restart the game. I see that now there's like a continue uh, Steph story option. So I click on that. I see the original save that I made um, where I at the front made the option to not save Arcadia Bay. I'm like, okay, I'm going to delete this save and then I will start a new save. So I deleted the save. And then the game's like, uh, you don't have any save data that says that you beat the base Life is Strange True Colors game, so you can't start this DLC. And I'm like, wait, what? And it turns out when you make a, like, Steph Story Wavelengths uh, save file, it, like, basically takes your base Life is Strange True Colors save file and, like, overwrites it and turns it into that kind of save file. And so if you delete that save... You can't beat or, or even just start Wavelengths, which, by the way, doesn't make any sense because there is there are no spoilers in Wavelengths of consequence for the main story of True Colors. So, like, why would you even force me to play through the entirety of True Colors to play Wavelengths? Um, That's weird. So I ended up just watching a kind of two-hour playthrough of it on YouTube. It was a little bit weird because uh, the two-hour playthrough that I found, it was somebody that chose the uh, not save Arcadia Bay option. So I got some dialogue <laughs> conversations uh, between the characters that did not reflect the decisions that I made. But yeah, it seemed okay. I There are games every now and then, like Papers, Please, that are like both about doing a mundane job and kind of reminiscing on these sort of harder life questions at the same time. Uh, and this did not look like it would have been as addicting as something like Papers, Please, but it, it still seemed like it would have been... It would have been something. Cool, cool. I'm wondering if you can uh, go to your cloud saves because I'm sure cloud saves aren't constantly uploading. I wonder if like I, older versions in there. I think my cloud saves got like overridden with the save or rather lack there thereof of me Ooh. having no progress. Yeah. Thumbs Rough. down. Well, 
That was certainly some strange lives we just talked about there. Really colorful. So colorful. That's the truth. Truly colorful. You spoke the truth there. <laughs> uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. If you are uh, listening in the month of July, we are playing... What are we playing? I forgot. Metal Wolf oh. Chaos XD. Metal Wolf Chaos XD. Mechs. Original Xboxes. Remasters for new systems. Play it. From software. From president. software. Uh, so we're doing that. There will be a poll going up later this month for whatever we're playing in August. So go to patreon.com slash fire to vote on what we're playing next. If you're playing Metal Wolf Chaos XD and you would like to be on the show, just like our friend Alex was this month, you can absolutely do that. Or at the very least, if you just want to tell us your thoughts on the game, we will try and make sure that we remember to read them. We are less successful more often than we are successful in remembering, but we will definitely make sure it happens. Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show again. It's always great to hear your perspective. Uh, and of course. I'm glad that we thank had, you for having me. Yeah, I'm glad we had all of the uh, the background from the other Life is, Life is Stranges. Is that like Attorneys General? Life is Strange? Life is Lives strangers. are strange? I think that's what we're going to do. Lives are strange. Lives are strange. Uh, Alex, one more time. Where can people find you if they would like to follow all of your cool content? You can find me on Twitter at Alex Kazina, A-L-E-X-K-O-Z-I-N-A, uh, and over on the Twitches at twitch.tv slash Cozy Bear Live. Dope. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. We will see you next time. Again, Mountain Dew, Baja Blast, Zero Sugar, Ass Blasters. That's the the that's liquid that's within the your iPhone screen, of course, my sponsor. Phone Liquid, brought to you by Alex. It's water from Switzerland. <laughs>